Good evening. Let's stand all over the house this evening. We're going to sing a hymn of the church before we jump into the remaining portion of the service today. Let's worship the Lord together. Will time is filled with swift transition?
let's remain standing this house. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you, we glorify you, and we magnify your name. We worship you, Lord, in this house today. Father, I pray that the remaining portion of this service today would bring glory and honor unto you at this time. Lord, we pray for every testimony that is given, song that is sung, message that is given out today would be for the advancement of the kingdom of God and all glory and honor be given unto Jesus Christ our Lord. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the people of God together said amen. amen. And now you take this moment just to greet those around you in the Lord for a few minutes before we transition today. you are with us tonight, you obviously know that uh, there's a lot of visitors and folks here tonight because of CLM graduation. So due to that, we have quite a lot of moving parts today that's going to be going on. We've got testimonies, we've got um, different worship songs. So at this time, Brother Ronnie's going to be coming. He's going to be singing for us. He's going to sing, I think, one by the guitar and one by the piano. I think he's going to sing for us. And then immediately following him, uh, Brother Tommy, or Reverend Tommy Turpin, will come and start the graduation off and introduce everybody. And after the graduations... Uh, Sister Jill will be coming before the message to bring us a song selection as well. So at this time, would you worship with Brother Ronnie as he comes?
everybody here knows who I am, but just in case you don't, my name is Ronnie Clark, and uh, this is my sister, Jill Turpin. Uh, I always claim her as a little sister anyway, uh, although she's not really. Uh, thank you all for the privilege of getting to be here tonight. Thank uh, Pastor for uh, letting us do our graduation here tonight that I've wanted to have for quite some time. I've always admired and loved uh, Pastor Jonathan's ability to play the piano. Uh, he's got more talent in his little finger, the fingernail on his little finger than I have in my whole body. Uh, it's absolutely amazing to me. I want you to listen to the words of this song. Please. 
just listen to the word. Don't listen to me because it's not about me, but it is about him.
Good evening. Thank you all so much for being here tonight with us for this Change Lives Ministries graduation ceremony. Thank you, Pastor Jonathan and Santee Circle Church of God. We thank you for having us, and we're excited to be back with y'all. Thank you, Ronnie, Jill, for your praise and worship, as well as the praise and worship band here. We, we thank you, and we love y'all. My name's Tommy. I'm the Community Relations Director for Change Lives Ministries, and I love y'all. I love y'all. I love y'all. I love y'all. And um, one of the things we do at Change Lives Ministries when, when people come in, our, our men and women come to get the healing that they so desperately need, is, is we love them. You say, oh, preacher, that, that sounds kind of funny, kind of weird. I thought the same thing when I got here six years ago. <laughs> A bunch of weirdos wanted to hug me and tell me they loved me, and I wasn't about it. I didn't know what that was all about. But come to find out, that's what we do. And as a matter of fact, that's what Jesus commands us to do. He says, uh, they will know you're my disciples by the way you love one another. So if we're disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we better start loving each other. Amen? Amen. Well, listen, I want to thank some people this evening. Pastor Jonathan said we have a lot of moving parts this evening, so I'm going to be as brief as I possibly can be. How that goes, we'll see. We do want to thank you all very much for having us. Um, again, community relations for me is, is what I love to do. That's what I enjoy doing. So being able to see all of these people from different backgrounds, different towns, different churches, that's the big C church coming under God. And, you know, we can put away a lot of little doctrinal differences for this evening and just come worship the king. Amen? So I'm excited. I usually am, but I'm fired up tonight. I want to thank um, our board of directors that we have for Change Lives Ministries that help us make decisions. They pray for us, lead us, and guide us. We have an advisory team uh, that helps us with the women, that leads and guides them as well. And these people pour into and they truly love our men and women and our staff. I'm not just saying that. They pour into these men and women and myself and my family. And, and so y'all's help in the community. Um, with your prayers, couldn't do it without your prayers, uh, your talent, time, gifts, uh, financial donations and support. See, we can't do this without the help of you, our churches, uh, civic organizations, and our businesses around here. Um, we introduce our people to Jesus, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We show them the word of God pray, teach them fellowship, teach them a work ethic, but the, the healing comes from Jesus, and, and y'all, when you help and, and you, you pour into the ministry, we're able to help these men and women without charging them a fee, I got here six years ago, nobody's forking out no money for me to go to rehab, I guarantee it, but change lives, say, come on, we love you, and we want to see you go from where you're at to where God wants you to be at. And so that's how I try to live my life, trying to help others. That's how our staff does. So that's kind of a brief synopsis of what we do. We have this wonderful, amazing CLM resale store. Mike, Kim, Miss Becky, all the volunteers, Matt Bryant, all of y'all. Give them a round of applause because they really go all in, all above. So 
such a blessing to have them and, and all the other volunteers. If I started naming names, I'd be in trouble because I'd miss somebody. We also want to thank our businesses and churches that help us as well. Um, men and women in this room, if y'all do devotions, would you just lift your hand up for me real quick? You do devotions for the men or women. Look, look around. Keep hands up. Look around. Look at that. That is important. I've got to be able to be blessed to go to see some other rehabs and visit them. I've never seen that particular relational part of our program where men and women come and share their lives in the Bible at any other rehab. I've not seen that. I'm not saying it's not there. I haven't seen it. And for me, that was huge. That was a big part of my laying down my life and letting Jesus deliver me from drugs, alcohol, and wicked sinful living by the men and women, Jackie, Steve, all y'all that came and poured into my life. I wouldn't have poured into me when I got here. I was a wreck. I've been like, God, I'm getting away from that guy as quick as I can. Whatever he got, I don't want to rub off on me. But they didn't, and they don't. Because their hearts, Jesus says, they'll know our love for one another. Thank you for your devotions. We are a 13-week faith-based program where we introduce our men and women to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We love our men and women. We love not to be able to charge them any money to come. We love to be able to clothe them feed them, pour into their lives. And tonight, you're going to hear a couple of stories, testimonies of men and women who have just gone through that process. Samantha, I mean, this is going to be good. I get excited because we're all about Jesus transforming our lives. I've been blessed this last six years so much. I've also had hard times and troubles and problems like everybody else. But you know what now the difference is? Jesus is right there with me through every part, through the good, the bad, the ugly. And I promise you when I tell you this, you can be struggling, going through a hard time, and you can still have joy. You may be sitting out there, some of y'all, right now thinking, preacher, I've done too much bad things. I've gone too far. Nobody will trust me again. Nobody wants me around. But I got news for you. God Almighty loves you. And he loves you so much he sent his son to die for you. And not just drift off to sleep. We put him on, hung him on an old rugged cross, like Ronnie's song. And we crucified him dead and buried. And then on the third day, God raised him up. Amen. And now we can have eternal life in heaven. Not only that, the way it gets better. Because I don't know when you're going. I don't know when you're going. I don't know when I'm going. But I know between now and then, guess what? My Bible says abundant life. Abundant life. If you heard my story, you'd say that is not fair, correct, or possible. Sorry, rascals, what he used to be says, I forgive you, and I'm faithful to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So as we go into this ceremony tonight, whatever you're going through, 
whatever you got on your mind, if you got people struggling in your life, let me tell you something, there is hope. Jesus can save anyone, anywhere, anytime he wants. Be in prayer for those people. Open your hearts and minds and listen to what God has done through his son in these two minutes in this man and woman's life. And maybe whatever you're going through, he'll speak to that as well. I want to thank you for, for your time and being here. Um, and it's my pleasure now to call Nikki. Uh, come on up, Nikki, our wonderful women's manager. Y'all give her a round of applause. All right, so our next graduate arrived at CLM very nervous and unsure of herself. She was full of self-doubt and didn't know her self-worth. She struggled to love herself, let alone accept love from anyone else. Though she already knew the Lord, her relationship with him had pretty much become non-existent. Through her time and dedication in the program, you could see the spiritual growth in her. She decided to tear down the walls guarding her heart and let Jesus back in and let us love her through all of it. While at CLM, she always had a positive attitude and a smile on her face. She always had many words of encouragement for everyone and always willing to help others. She absolutely loves working at the resale store. She brought so much laughter and joy to our home and to anyone she is around. I am extremely proud of her and proud to not only call her my friend, but also my sister. Come on, Sam. My name is Samantha Renee Driggers. I am 36 years old. I am a child of God. But I haven't always believed or felt that I was indeed a child of God. Growing up, I experienced a lot of physical and mental abuse from my dad. Both of my parents were addicted to drugs and alcohol. I grew up in a house full of violence and chaos with my older brother, Matthew. I didn't feel accepted or worthy of love. I hated myself because of the way my dad treated me so much that I started physically and mentally hurting, hurting myself more than my dad did. At times, self-inflicting pain was the only thing I had control over. If I could hurt myself, then no one else could. Both parents had hidden the fact that my dad was not the biological father of myself or my brother. My biological father, Matthew Driggers, had been convicted of second-degree murder in 1989 and had been sentenced to 46 calendar years in prison in Colorado. He will be released in 2032. I had mixed feelings about that. I was so happy that the man causing so much pain in me was not, in fact, my biological father, though. Throughout my life, I always felt as if I didn't belong. I would go to school with bruises and couldn't, could remember sitting in class and getting sick to my stomach because I had to go home to a place that was likened to a prison. I longed for the normal, happy childhood that other kids I went to school with had. My grandmother was, my grandmother was the only friend I had growing up. At the age of eight, she passed away. I was so angry at God and myself because I couldn't save her. So years of abuse went on, and finally at the age of 13, my mom left the man that had caused so much pain to my brother and I. My brother and I had grown apart. He started using drugs and committing crimes and in and out of jail becoming just like my father. My brother and mother started using drugs to cope with their own issues in life. I was so judgmental and I didn't understand addiction. At the age of 21, I wanted to belong somewhere. I wanted to fit in. I, what I thought would be fun at the moment turned into me being a slave to a substance for 12 long years. Trying to run from my painful childhood and the anger I felt towards God, I believe he had caused me to be born into a life of pain with no hope. So I built an altar for my pain, and, the subs and a substance became my idol. 
I believed that my idol could make me feel better and heal my deepest wounds. In 2015, my stepdad died from a massive heart attack. I had forgiven my stepdad before he died because the truth had been revealed to me that the reason he hurt me so badly was because his dad did the same to him. In 2018, I became homeless. I was homeless for four long years. I surrounded myself with people that were just like me, abused and wounded. I felt forgotten and I believed that I deserved the same treatment I received as a child, loving the ones that hurt me the most. I was in and out of abusive and unstable relationships. I chose men that were abusive just to feel the same way as I did as a child. In 2019, my whole world came crashing down. Sorry, I told myself I was not gonna cry. <laughs> my brother passed away from a fentanyl overdose. My brother was also trying to escape from childhood pain too. The day of my brother's funeral, I remember walking down the aisle at the funeral home and seeing my brother laying there. The love I had for my brother was an unconditional love. 1 John 3.16 We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we also lay down our lives for one another. But whoever has the world's goods and beholds his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does, now how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. In 2020, God sent a woman into my darkness who walked as a child of light. <laughs> Her name is Danielle Dink. She was sent as a vessel for God's kingdom to just pour the love of the Father on me. For so many years, I poured myself out, believing others would love me back, but for once, God showed me his love through his beloved daughter. This beautiful woman of God met and loved me right where I was at. Every time she saw me, she would say, hey, beautiful, and that alone was so sweet. Daniel never asked me about whether or not I did drugs. She just loved me. In 2022, she introduced me to a friend, Kimberly Files. I remember us sitting at a Chick-fil-A, and Kimberly invited me to come stay with her and her husband but I wasn't ready to give up my addiction just yet. So for a year, Kimberly and I would go out to dinner for lunch, and this was all new to me, only because for years, I had, for four years, I had felt forgotten and all alone, but she helped me get my ID and tried to get me back on track, but I kept my addiction to myself. Kimberly is the type of friend who tells you what you need to hear, not what you want. We both come from different backgrounds, but without a doubt, I knew these women, knew these women loved me for sure. But time went on, and Kim and I kind of separated due to me self-destructing. On May 12th, I remember waking up saying to God, if I don't get out of here, I'm going to die. The night prior, I had called Danielle and told her about my decision to want to get to help. I wanted to live. So that morning, my mom woke me up telling me that Danielle was there to see me. The 180 place, cor 180 place cor coordinator had just left, and he said that he was going to get me into a shelter downtown. But my angels, Danielle and Kim, were already there to get me. They showed up to get help get me into my blood work for CLM. God had made a way out for me. God knew exactly where who, who needed to be there. Kimberly was like, there's no better day to do it than today. And I needed to hear that laugh out loud. It took me about four weeks to get into at CLM. Upon arriving at CLM, I just had a feeling of just being ready to have another chance at life. As you can see, I had experienced a lot of pain, chaos, and self-inflicted pain in my life. I always told, told God if he ever presented me with a way out, out of being homeless, I would follow his way, in which he did. The love that I saw that filled each lady's heart at the house showed me just how much the Father loved me. I loved the devotion time in the morning. Jesus said, The first of all these commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Deuteronomy 6.4 I had to re repent of my sin, of the hate I held towards God from my childhood, I had to repent for my unbelief. I had to humble myself, realizing that my way of living was sin. I had to surrender to what I thought my life was to look like. 
I learned that it was by God's grace that I had been saved through faith and not of myself, and it was God's free gift. I pray that God of our Lord Jesus would give me a spirit of wisdom in his revelation of himself. God showed me that he chose me to be his daughter despite the lies I had believed in the past because of the pain I held onto for so long. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed me with every spiritual blessing in the, in the heavenly places. And Christ, just as he chose me and him before the foundation of the world, I should be blameless before him and in love. He predestined me to be adopted as his daughter through Christ Jesus according to his will. Praise and glory for his grace and mercy, which he freely bestowed on me. In him I have redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of my trespasses through the riches of his grace. God is love, and he showed me just how much he loved me at CLM through his word, through the fellowship with my new sisters and brothers in Christ, through the counseling I received with love by the staff. He showed me that I was never alone as a child, even though I felt like I was not loved or wanted. He showed me the truth. He showed me who I was to him, that I was chosen, that I was his daughter, that I could be made whole in him, and I could be victorious in him. For the first time in my whole life, I felt safe, not by my strength, but my Father in heaven. I thoroughly enjoyed working at the resale store and serving others. All the staff and volunteers truly are the hands and feet of Christ, my new brothers and sisters in Christ. I love you all. I, am, I may have felt alone many times in life, but God put just who I needed in my life to love me, walk beside me, and guide me, and yes, some who carried me when I couldn't walk. And so I will do the same. I couldn't be the sister who I needed to be for my brother before he passed, but let me tell you, God is faithful. Even though I couldn't see the purpose and the pain then, Every time I get the opportunity to share my story of how God saved me and showered me, showed me, his, me who I was in him in hopes of reaching someone else in the same situation I was in and leading them to God, I can now understand the purpose for the pain I went through. I am reminded of the first time God answered my lifelong questions to him, and that was, God, why didn't I have a father who loved me and wanted me? Why did I have to go through so many painful experiences? And then God told me that there were little girls and little boys going through the same thing I went through. And when I allowed him to heal me and set me free from all the lies I believed back then, I could then in turn help lead others to the one who healed me and set me free. Second Corinthians 1.4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by. So thank you to everyone who shared their stories either during devotions or just sharing how God became real to them. Thank you, Nikki, for loving me like Jesus and being patient with me and being my sister. Thank you for comforting me as God comforted you. Amber, I love you, and I'm so proud of you. <laughs> and Miss Jenny, thank you for loving us girls so much. Miss Barbara, thank you for your smile and the love you have shown me is so real. Megan, Michelle, she's not here. Miss Bev, Kezia, Kelly, Brandy, Kayla, Thank you all for me and my sisters, each one of you. You have a special place in my heart. Thank you, Daniel Dink and Kimberly Files, for believing in me. Thank you, CLM, for loving us like Jesus and meeting us right where we are at. Thank you to the board of directors, their advisory team, each at the resale store, and everyone that comes into the do devotions. Most of all, thank you to all those who prayed for me and encouraged me. The next chapter of this book that God has given me to walk her out includes me going to the transition house. I have gotten a job at Moe's and will continue on being a vessel for God's kingdom. I am no longer a slave to fear or pain. I am a child of God, and I am an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. <laughs> I have to. 
Now, I want to finish reading. This is a poem that kind of, sorry, sorry. <laughs> and this is called Our Deepest Fear. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, or fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. You playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we're liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Praise God. Sam, that was a wonderful testimony and a beautiful poem. My name is Tim Turpin. I'm the assistant manager at Change Lives Ministries. And I always say this, but I am so truly blessed to be a part of what God is doing at Change Lives Ministries. Uh, next month uh, will be four years for me that I've been able uh, to be at Change Lives Ministries, where I've been able to uh, live with these men, and I've been able to eat with these men and laugh with these men and cry with these men and walk alongside these men, but also these men are able to walk alongside me. Uh, and I just praise God for the experience. We get to see miracles every day there. Um, we get to see uh, God just moving and working in such a powerful way that uh, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. And so is true in our next graduate's uh, testimony. Um, he came to us broken and battered, lost and confused, hurt, wounded, and God did a mighty work in his life and in his heart. And he has come a tremendous way. He's had his ups and downs like everybody, uh, but he persevered and endured. He never gave up. Uh, and we are so excited uh, for you to hear the amazing work that God has done in his life. Travis, come on up. Share your testimony. Travis Namnett. Hello, my name is William Travis Namnett. I'm from Windsor, South Carolina. Uh, I have three sisters, Lisa, Alice, and Nancy. We grew up in a normal household. My parents never drank or did drugs, so everything was fine. I started drinking beer at age 14, and it went from there. Just like anything else, I went through the flow of the crowd, constantly making the wrong choices. Beer started turning to drugs. My friends changed because you're not going to hang out around the same people you're going to do the same things. The choices you change, the people you hang around. In my addiction, for a total of about 30 years, when you live the wrong way, sometimes time gets away from you. And all this, all this time, I lost my parents, trucks, cars, houses, jobs, money, relationships. The whole time, I thought I was the problem. I thought I wasn't the problem. I never thought to give God a chance. Instead, I kept doing drugs and, and run away from the real problems that I was facing. I did not realize I was running from the only thing that could help me with my problems, and that was God. Everything, every time I had a problem or a, a difficult situation came up, come up, I turned to drugs instead of uh, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. One night I was laying in bed, and I was tired of the way I was living. And I asked God for a purpose. 
I knew the way I was living wouldn't get me nowhere. So the purpose showed up in, in the form of a woman and a little boy who asked me to come stay with them and help them in any way I could. I said yes, not knowing it's going to leave me here to seal it in because the things started happening. I, I kept hearing voices over and over again telling lies. I thought the people I was staring at were playing games with me, but they weren't. I was only saying, I was only going to say anything to them because I thought that, uh, because I, uh, you know, I thought that there might be, you'd think I was crazy. So after three places and still going through the same thing, I thought it'd be best to be homeless because I thought they were doing it to me anyway, you know. But uh, I was only fooling myself that I could hide it. I just left one day walking, not knowing where they would leave me, but it led me here to CLM. I thought it, it, I could walk, I walked this, these voices that was in my head. I walked about 40 miles, and it was about this, about this point when I said, God, okay, I'm ready to go. Let's go. For me coming here was first, first, sale of, first sign of, of failure in my life, you know. Uh, you would think that losing everything would be enough, a sign, but dumbing me, I turned to drugs that, that was more important to me at that time in my life. When I made the choice, things started falling into place. And there was no explanation for this but Jesus Christ. This means I had, he had a plan all, before I even knew it. Because things started making sense at CLM. Between the verses, devotions, and everything was meant to be. God let me know I had problems that I didn't even know I had. With his help, I can it's only explain it like this. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these Galatians 5, 22, 23. So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. John 8, 36. After CLM, I made the choice to go to uh, the Transitional House, so I continued to build my, build my foundation on Jesus Christ. I'm glad of this. Um, to my brothers, I'm glad that I met every one of you. I know what it's like to have a, have a brother now. I want to say thank you to everyone that helped me while I was here. Without this, without this it would never happen. To my brothers at the retail store, to the board of directors, to churches, pastors, community that port, supports us, and the, uh, the Blackman family, and Pastor Mickey. Thank you. Without without you, without your vision, this would never would have happened. Thank you for not giving up on the a, on a hope that you can help a person like me. I was truly at rock bottom. Without CLM, I don't know where I'd be at right now. This place got me looking, uh, looking to here and now and into the future. Thank you. So now we're going to do our presentation of certificates. Mickey and Sam, come on up. Sorry, Amber. So both Sam 
and Travis have successfully completed the 13-week Christian Rehabilitation Program of Change Lives Ministries. They attended Bible classes, studying scriptural boundaries of basic Christian doctrine, and have professed Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. They have performed all duties and assignments required in a structured environment and have displayed a Christ-like attitude towards their peers while attending this facility. We therefore recognize their accomplishments by presenting the Certificate of Recognition on this third day of September 2023. Congratulations. Sam, Sam, come here. You're running away. <laughs> Now's the time for our egg presentation. And we have this small egg here that each one of them sign. One goes in the basket at the women's ministry and in the case of the men's ministry. And the men and women pray over these each and every day for past, present, and future graduates. And we continue to pray over them and pray for them. And then we have this big egg right here. And as I was thinking about this egg, you know, we always say that the egg represents the protection of Change Lives Ministries, and it very much does so. But we also ask you at the end of graduation to sign this egg. Sign it stating that you will pray for them, that you will continue to protect them with your prayers, that you will lift them up. When they're having a good day, they can pray for you and when they're having a bad day they can look at this egg and know that you're praying for them and this egg also represents our memory verse or our mission verse here is therefore if anyone is in Christ they are a new creation the old things have passed away and behold all things have become new inside of the egg of a chicken It represents a new life being born, right? You spent 13 weeks with God's word, prayer, teaching, discipling you, God working in and through you that new life, that new creation, old things have passed away, and now is the time for you to hatch, to go out, to share that word to share that truth, to share that testimony. For 13 weeks that you've been protected and God will continue to protect you. Now go out and share that unhatched potential. Thank our graduates. Thank you so much for your testimonies. Heartfelt, genuine testifying of what the Lord's power can do in a person's life who surrenders, surrenders their lives. So what I want to do right now before we continue is I want to give our staff, men, women, volunteers, that boards, I want to give them a round of applause. Let's do that for them real quick. Come on. They do this because they love them. We're not paying them a million dollars a year. It's out of love for them. And, and so 
being that I'm a community relations guy, this community has been so good to me. I mean, I've never seen different denominations and different people that just come together and put, put their stuff aside and love each other. And about six years ago, I was called to be the manager at Change Lives Ministries, and um, I didn't have a driver's license. I lived at the ministry, and Pastor Chris Piegler called me up and said, Hey, I want you to see if you would be interested in coming to a minister's group that I'm in. And I said, Well, sure, I'll go. So he'd drive all the way from his house, pick me up at Change Lives, drive all the way back to Victory. We'd have a meeting. And in, in this meeting, we would talk about the community. We'd pray for one another. We'd pray for each other's families, um, talk about ministry, and just talk about life. And that was a big part of my growth. And, and now it's grown. It says Pastor Chris is in there. Um, Pastor Jonathan is, is in there. Uh, Kale, where's Pastor Kale from Bono First Baptist? He's in the back. So we have a bunch of different pastors that prayed for all of us. Not just change lives, but for Sandy Circle Church of God, Sandy Circle Community, not all of that. Victory. And, and that's what will change the world, y'all, is when our communities will come together in true love, we can change the world. And so for me to be able to introduce uh, Pastor Jonathan, who's just been a, a amazing person in my life. Um, we go out to lunch a couple times a month and, and talk, and, and he's... Uh, he tries to help me preach. But have you seen him? I'm trying. But he's very patient with me, and he really pours into my life. And so it's an honor to be able to introduce uh, Pastor Jonathan Vaughn this evening. Oh, and before that, even more important for me, I get to introduce Jill, my wife. Come on, she's going to sing a song for us. Come on, Jill. Come here. Shame's done all its stealing. Are you desperate for some healing? Let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way where there ain't no way. Rises up from an empty grave. Ain't no sinner that he can't save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong and his grace is free. And the good news is. Broken dreams are wasted years until the past to disappear. Oh, let me tell you about my Jesus and all the wrong turns that you were going undo 
thankful for Jesus. Well, what a beautiful testimonies we've had today. You're a little bit of a disadvantage. My wife, since her salutation, she had to work. Normally, she's the one that's my timekeeper and lets me know what time it is, but she's not here, so I don't know what time it is, so we're going to be here a while because uh, she's not here to give me the look. So, uh, uh, no, I, I, I do have a clock in the back. I'm watching. I know really all of you came here to see the graduations and to eat food, and unfortunately you have to suffer for the next 15 to 20 minutes through this part, but um, it is always a, a, a humbling opportunity to be able to stand here and to be able to um, give commencement, I guess you would say, addresses to the outgoing classes and the current classes that are still through CLM as well as the ministry groups that are a part of the CLM ministry. I was thinking today in my office, I was preaching this morning about the raptured church. I was talking about what the ingredients were for the raptured church to get out of here, what that looked like, and, and some of the CLM folks that have graduated from there, Wendell Weaver and, and, and Wayne uh, Sudermeyer come to our church, so they have to suffer listening to me preach twice in the same day. So um, they should get to go in line first uh, and that. But uh, I started thinking about that message and throughout the course of last night and today I, I was thinking about that. And so I, I don't really tell, I never tell people really what to sing. I kind of let the Lord guide that. So I was leaving lunch today and, and I had to do a quick lunch and get back to the church. I turned the radio on and lo and behold, as soon as I turned the radio on, my Jesus was playing on the radio. No joke. 
So I called my wife real quick. I was like, are you listening to your radio? And she said, yeah. I said, you know what's playing? She said, yeah. She said, it's my Jesus. And I was like, yes. She's like, do you know what that means? She was like, yes. That's what the DJ selected to play. I said, no. That means that's what I've been, I was the song I needed to hear because of what I was doing tonight. And she was like, okay. And she kind of just blew me off and went out her business. So I was like, well, you go ahead and go to bed and leave me alone. And I'm going to go to church and be happy by myself. And uh, so then this afternoon, I uh, I'd asked throughout the course of the week, uh, Brother Tommy, what, what Ronnie and, and uh, Sister Jill were going to sing. And Ronnie and I had said for two and a half years, almost three years, we were going to play and sing together. And uh, for some reason, it never worked. Well, Ronnie's getting ready to transition to move to a different location, back to Aiken, closer to home, and do some things different. So I guess better late, you know, they always say better late than never. I guess we cut it about as close as the timeline. He leaves in September. It is September, so we, we waited till the last minute to do that. But um, I texted Jill this afternoon. I said, you know, no rush, no, you know, no big deal. Do you just happen to know what you might sing tonight? Just trying to figure out the order of service. And she said, yeah, I'm kind of leaning on my Jesus. I said, that sounds like a great song. You should do that one. She said, do you want me to change it? I said, no. If you do, you won't sing. Sting that song. That's what you're singing. And, uh, and uh, so um, because what she didn't know is because the entire time that I have been for the last two weeks or three weeks knew this was coming, and I began to pray and ask God to what I could say, I had a real simple thought. I, I normally have crazy sermon titles and things like that. You know, don't let your cousins name your baby, things like that, you know things that you'll never forget but 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 as I begin to think about this this is all I could come up with and this is what I wrote down with and the whole sermon for the last two weeks I've been putting together simply said let me tell you about Jesus just let me tell you about Jesus so I'm going to ask you to go to the book of Revelation chapter 1 I won't be long because the hot dog people are already I can smell them on the grill and so I'm as hungry as you are so uh, I'm ready for for those uh, hot dogs and, and, and food Revelation chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse number 12. It's going to seem like an odd verse, but you'll see here in a minute where we're going with this. And I know it's pretty hot and stuffy, and there's a lot of people in this room, and the air's doing what it can do with all of us in here. So if you can, I'm going to ask you to stand for honoring the reading of God's Word. It's not about me. I care less if you stand up for me. I might sit down too before this is over with, but I would like you to stand for the Lord. Then I turned and I, to see the voice that spoke to me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, which represents the church. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, there was one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet, girded about the chest with a golden band, and his head and his hair was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as a refined in a furnace. And his voice was as the sound of many waters, and he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and the countenance was like the sun, shining in all its strength. And when I saw him, I fell dead at his feet. Think about that for a moment. What would it be like to stand before God? What kind of experience that would be? He said, I fell, I fell at his feet as a dead man. But he put his right hand on me, the one that was holding those stars, and he said, do not be afraid. For I was there before you, and I will be there after you. I was the first, and I'll be the last. I'm the one who lives, and I'm the one that died. Which means I'm the one who was with you when you were dead in your trespasses and sin. But I'm also the resurrected Christ that brought you out, because I've lived too. 
And behold, I'm alive not just for now, but I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys to hell and the grave. Some translations will say Hades and death. What he's saying is there's no height too high and nor depth too low. You cannot outrun my presence. I'm there. I'm there. So for a few moments, I want to talk to you. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I pray you would open our eyes, hearts, and ears to hear your word today. Speak from heaven. Anoint me and take a crow from the altar of heaven. Anoint these lips of clay that I may decree and declare what your word says. I pray that you would be with every man, woman, boy, or girl on the sound of my voice. Let them not just be hearers of this word, but doers of it likewise. And we pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, our Lord. And the people of God together said amen. 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 You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. One only has to look to the Bible to learn about Jesus. Every book in the Old Testament points towards him, and every book in the New Testament reveals him. All the types and figures and foreshadowing speaks of him are significant and beautiful to consider. He is seen in elements like the Lamb of God, the fountain of living water, the rock of our salvation. He is described as wonderful, counselor, mighty God. He refers to himself as the bread that has come forth from out of heaven. And he is a wellspring of eternal water. He is referenced as altogether the lovely one. Of the many descriptions of Jesus, none are more, pers- nor, none are more concise or even more compact than what John the Revelator just gave us on his vision on the Isle of Patmos. He gave these descriptions in this text to speak of the deity, the dignity, and the distinction of Jesus Christ. John's description speaks of the Lord's prominence, his purpose and power on this earth. The golden candlesticks which refer to the church, Christ is seen as the head of the church holding them in his hands. But there are a few things we see in these scriptures today that I want to point out to you about this man called Jesus. The first thing I want you to see is it says, in the midst of the seven lampstands there was one likened to the Son of God. Well, that tells me he was the resurrected Christ. He's not in the grave. See, we always celebrate at Easter, you know, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Easter is not just at the end of March and the 1st of April. Easter is every day in our lives because John tells me by this vision that Jesus is not in some garden tomb in some Judean hillside near Jerusalem, but he is sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for me. So anytime, any place, let me tell you, all you've got to do is say the name Jesus and he is as close as the mention of his name he's the resurrected Christ he is seen in human form the son of man yet glorified we saw him in earth after the resurrection in the upper chamber he shut the doors were shut the disciples were scared but Jesus appeared he walked and talked with two men on an Emmaus road he appeared at the sea of Tiberias and he fed his disciples fish and bread on breakfast at the beach he was showed all aspects of 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 his humanity by letting Thomas see the nail prints in his hands and touch the piercing in his side. But yet he didn't show them all of his glory because he was not completely made whole again. But they wouldn't have been able to handle it anyway. But can I tell you 
that Mary recognized him in the garden and the disciples enjoyed him in the upper room. But one day you and I will ascend and we'll see the resurrected Savior. But we won't see him with just nail prints hands and scarred side. But we'll see him in all of his raiment and all of his glory. Fanny Crosby said it this, I shall know him and by redeemed by his side I shall stand. I shall know him by the prints in the nails in his hand. Can I tell you? Death could not keep him. And the grave could not hold him. Matthew 28 and 7. He said go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen. He is not in the dead of the grave anymore. Luke 24 tells us that he arose and he appeared unto them. 1 Corinthians 15 says this, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, has the twinkling of an eye at the last trump of God. For the trump shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall rise up incorruptible and we shall be changed for this incorruptible will put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality so when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality then will be brought about the saying death is swallowed up in victory oh death where is thy sting oh grave where is thy victory for the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law but thanks be unto God which giveth us the victory through our Lord and Savior the resurrected Jesus Christ therefore my brother be steadfast immovable always abounding in love so as you see the day approaching I'm telling you we don't serve a God that somewhere Muhammad is still dead Allah is still dead Confucius is still dead but there is one whose name is King of Kings and Lord of Lords whose nobody else is worthy to break the seals but him I don't serve a God of the dead I serve a living God I serve a resurrected God I serve a God that when I call on him he answers me when I call he's not only a resurrected Christ but he is a reigning Christ he's not some powerless Christ He's not some powerless man sitting up in heaven twiddling his thumbs because he's got nothing better to do with his free time. In fact, in verse 13, he goes on to say, And he was clothed with a garment down to his feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. You have to understand what the writer was saying. That description identified the garment like that of a king or a judge. Can I tell you he came as the savior but he returns as the king. He's not coming back to die. He's coming back to rule. He's not coming back to be beaten but he's coming back to restore order. He left as the savior but he's coming back with king of kings on one side and lord of lords on the other side and on a crown no other person can wear but he shall be crowned king of kings and lord of lords. You see he is already went to a place called heaven to prepare a place he is the reigning king he is there but not only is he a reigning king but he's a righteous Christ verse 14 tells us that his head and his hair were white like wool even as white as snow this speaks of the purity and the holiness of God the annuals of scriptures are full of references about the holiness of God and how we cannot enter into the holy hills and the eternal presence of God without being holy in our demeanor and our approach to Him. A relationship with Jesus Christ will produce cleansing and purity that aligns us with Him and hides us in His righteousness. That's what CLM's all about. 
We tell all these graduates all the time out of the book of Corinthians, we tell them if any man is a new creation, old things pass away and all things become new. We don't want you to stay the same because if we leave you the same way we found you, we did you no good. We did you a disservice. But I'm thankful to God that my righteousness couldn't buy me nothing. But I'm thankful that when I didn't have a, a, a dime in the bank and I didn't have a friend or a person to care about me in the world, there was a friend that sticks closer than a brother. There's a friend that is sticks better than a companion. I'm thankful that when the world turned their back and no money was in the bank, I had a friend and I had one who owned cattle on a thousand hills. I don't serve a God that's broke. I don't serve a God depleted. I don't serve a God that's depressed. I don't serve a God that's dysfunctional. But I serve a God that's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above that which my mind can think or comprehend according to the work of his ministries Isaiah 1 and 18 says this come now let us reason together saith the Lord though your sins be as scarlet they shall be white as snow the young preacher Timothy got a letter one day from his mentor his if you will his pastor of pastors the apostle Paul and in 2 Timothy 2 and 22 this is what he read from the handwriting of Paul flee from youthful lust but follow righteousness faith love peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart you see our best efforts were like contaminated rags before God Isaiah said that our righteousness were as filthy rags before an almighty God. But 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 said he became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God. I'm telling you for me to stand before Jesus I was destined to hell. But when I stand before him this time I'm not standing alone. I'm standing with an advocate. I'm standing with the best defense attorney there is on this side of heaven. I'm standing with Jesus that said I'd like to speak on my client's behalf. Yes they were a liar. Yes they were a cheater. Yes they were a swindler. Yes they were a drug addict. Yes they were a drunk. Yes they were an adulterer. But one day on a Damascus road experience I called them out of darkness into the marvelous light and I've transferred my blood to them and now they are made whole by Jesus Christ. My righteousness gets me nowhere but his righteousness gets me everything. My righteousness can't even get me to look at the gate or across the gate but his righteousness gives me a mansion inside the gate. Not only is he the righteous Christ but he's the revealing Christ. Verse 14 says he had eyes like a flame of fire. Fire is a purifier. It reveals impurities. It burns away things that are not supposed to be. His discerning, Christ's discerning vision will examine everyone's hearts and motives before him in heaven. He will detect sin. He will see the sense of carnality. Long before x-ray vision was ever thought of and long before Superman could shoot fire out of his eyes, there was an all-seeing Christ that knew the end from the beginning. He said, I know the number of hairs on your head. He told the prophet before you were knitted together in your mother's womb, I knew every blessed thing about you. I'm telling you, I'm glad that I serve a revealing Christ. He's not one that's just sitting in heaven, but he's one that wants to have a relationship with me. He'll transcend time and space and let me know him and me know him as well. We know that we know, that we know that all things work together. 
to them for good. They are called of God according to his purpose. I shared with the men a couple weeks ago. That scripture doesn't say everything works out for everybody. It says all things work together for good to them that love God. And are called according to his purpose. If you don't love God. And you don't walk according to his purpose. He's not bound to fulfill the promise of working it out for you. See, everybody likes that God's going to work it out. Well, God can work it out, but you better work some things out with him before he works it out with you. Hello. The writer of Hebrews said this, Neither is there any creature that has not manifested in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him who we have to do. Hebrews tells us God sees everything. Nothing is hidden from him. I remember... An old song that I remember playing as a little boy or a, or a young man when uh, I was in, in church a lot for, for special singings and altar calls and things like that. See, we never saw Jesus this side of heaven. We may have experienced his presence. We may have felt his saving touch. We may have cried and feeling something in the atmosphere in a room. We never laid physical contact eye to eye with Jesus Christ. But Dottie Rambo made it such a vivid picture. See, not only is he a revealing Christ through his word, but one day he's going to reveal himself in all his glory. We're going to see him like the disciples couldn't see him. We're going to see him like Mary couldn't see him. Dottie Rambo said it like this. She said, the sky shall unfold. Preparing his entrance. The stars, the seven stars in his hand, the stars will applaud him with thunders of praise. The sweet light in his eyes shall enhance those awaiting. And we shall behold him face to face. The next verse says, the angels will sound the shout of his coming. The sleeping shall rise from their slumbering place. And those remaining shall be changed in a moment. And we shall behold him face to face. Then she pins the chorus. She said, we shall behold him. We shall behold him face to face in all of his glory. We shall behold him face to face, our Savior and our Lord. Because we're going to see him the first time as the Savior, but we're going to live with him as the King. So he's going to be Savior and Lord. He's not only a revealing Christ, but he's a relentless Christ. You know how I know? Because it says his feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace. He's unstoppable. You can't box him in. He's uncontrollable. He's unstoppable. He's unmovable. To some degree, he's irresistible. Because the Bible tells us that you can't confine him in a box. Now, in the Old Testament, he tried to represent his presence in a box through the Ark of the Covenant. It was the tangible presence of God. Multiple people touched the Ark inappropriately and died because of that. But too many people live their lives trying to keep God in the box instead of letting God come out the box. Because... To the Israelites in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant was the symbol of his presence. But to the church of the New Testament, why do you need him in a box when he's kicking open gravestones and he's coming out himself? There's no need to keep him in a box when he's breaking out of tombs. 
There's no reason to keep him confined when he's breaking out of confinement. There's no reason to quarantine him when he's the God of coming out of quarantine. Hello, preacher. There's no reason. Too many people try to stifle him in the church, stifle him in the ministry, stifle him in these little boxes. But I'm telling you, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. He won't be confined to any time or space, but we'll see him in all of his majestic glory. He's relentless. The Bible tells us he's a judge. But can I tell you, the Bible also says that he always was looking for the one sheep that was lost when the other 99 were saved. That's relentless. I've got 99 safe bet sheep. None of them are going to be hurt. I could lay right here at the sheep gate. None of them could escape. But I had 100 when I started today and one's missing. The Bible said the good shepherd will leave the 99 because he's not going to leave the one out there alone. Can I tell you, I don't know where you are today in your spiritual journey. You might be the 99 that goes to church every Sunday to Victory or to Santee Circle or Community or the Church of God or Bono PH. You may go to church and be a part of the 99. But if you're in this house today, I'm telling you, Jesus is looking for the one that ain't found us yet. He's looking for the one nobody's located yet. He's looking for one more person to say, hey, hey, I'll leave the 99. I've got to find the one who doesn't know how to find me. He's relentless. But he's also the respected Christ. He's respected. He was recognizable. The Bible says that his voice thundered like the waters. Imagine that. God's booming voice literally shakes the foundation of earth when he speaks. What a voice. Psalms 29 says this, The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The glory of God thundereth, and the Lord rideth upon the waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful and majestic. Imagine for a moment you're on a boat, and the winds are boisterous, the waves are tumultuous. But someone can step up from the bow of the boat that's been sleeping through the storm and stand at the edge of the threshold at the front of the boat, and while everything else is going to hell in a handbasket, your life is falling apart, your world is capsizing, you're drowning, you don't think there's no hope in sight, but one voice speaks in the darkness. One voice booms above the drugs. One voice booms above the alcohol. One voice booms above the addiction. Out of all of the chaos, there's one voice that says, That the boisterous waves, even though you couldn't hear the voice, the waves heard the voice. Even though you couldn't hear the, because of the loudness of the thunder and the clasping of the lightning, you couldn't hear it. All of nature heard it when he said, shh. See, in our lives, we get too many things. We get distracted. We let the cares of life become noisy. Our world falls apart, and there's a lot of chaos going around. But in the middle of it all, there can be a voice that booms out of the darkness. I'm here. Peace. Be still. And immediately, the waves don't go, well, you know, I don't know if I've recognized that voice before. What is that voice? I hadn't heard that one in a while. Oh, the waves tapped the wind on the shoulder and said, shh, that's him. That's the one that created us. That's the one who walks on the water. God rides on the water. He rides on the clouds. There ain't no power in hell going to stop God's wings of love. I feel his hand of mercy 
coming from above God rides on the wings of love. Can I tell you when God speaks, everything else shuts up. Even the devil respects the voice. Think about that. Even the devil doesn't want to hear the voice booming in the darkness. If God be for you, he can be against you. He's respected. He's also the regulating Christ. The Bible says he holds stars in his right hand. He's created all things. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. God the Father is the mastermind. God the Son is the Word. How do you know? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. In the beginning, the Word was made flesh, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we have beheld His glory, the glory of the one and only of the Father, begotten, full of grace and truth. The Word was the one that carried out the plan. Well, where's the Holy Spirit? The Spirit of the Lord was hovering in the abyss. Can I tell you that your life may seem like an abyss? It's like a big black hole and you don't know where you're going. But can I tell you, while you're sitting in the black hole, there's a Spirit of God that's been hovering over your life. He was in the drug addict facility. He was on the road with you when you were homeless. He was at the crack house when you were there. He was when you were plastered on a street corner. You didn't know where God was, but there was a Spirit that was hovering in your abyss. There was a Spirit hovering in your darkness. And you may not recognize Him, but God knew He was there with you he's there he's a regulating Christ he is before all things and all things in him consist he's also a revenging Christ when he comes back he's not coming to play games he ain't coming back to play patty cake patty cake baker's man bake me a cake as fast as you can that ain't how he's coming back the Bible says he's coming back with king of kings on one side Lord of Lords on the other, and he's bearing a sword, and he's coming to make war. He's not coming to play games. He's coming to serve the devil on notice. I told you it was finished thousands of years ago, but I'm coming to finish what I started thousands of years ago and bind him up and cast him in the eternal lake of fire and to rule and reign. I'm telling you, when he comes back, he's coming back to take it over. He's coming back to take over. The Bible says there's a sharp two-edged sword. He'll smite the nations. The Bible tells us he's the, if you will, resplendent Christ. So what does that mean? The word resplendent simply means this. It means attractive, impressive, richly colorful, sumptuous. It literally means you are taken back in awe of it. The Bible tells us that his countenance was like the sun in all its brilliance scientists tell us we cannot stare at the sun straight out you have sunglasses on but if you look at it straight it can literally do damage it can burn the cornea of your eyes it can damage your eyesight even though it's thousands and thousands of miles away it still has catastrophic damage because it is in close enough proximity to your light and to your eyes can I tell you, Jesus may feel like he's thousands and thousands and thousands of miles away in your life, but if you can ever get your eyes locked on to the S-O-N, he'll change your vision and he'll change your life. The Apostle Paul was walking a road, but when he met the, met, the, met the master on the Damascus Road, that bright light changed his eyesight both physically and spiritually, and he never was the same again. Can I tell you, when you meet Jesus, you'll never be the same again. Never! never the same again he is magnificent he is dazzling he is 
brilliant. He is the light of heaven. He literally lights up all of heaven. He is brighter than a noonday sun. And I want to finish by telling you, but he's also a reassuring Christ. Because he said this, I don't want you to be ignorant. He said, those that are asleep, I'm going to come get them that's died. The church of Thessalonica was asking Paul, what happens to our loved ones? Paul said, don't worry about it, they're going to. The church at Corinth, Paul told them, don't worry, the dead's going, the living's going, and we're all going to get new bodies and osteoporosis and arthritis and back pain and, and cataracts. It's going away too. We're getting new bodies. Some of y'all been waiting on that day for a while. Some of y'all, that's the first time y'all felt the Lord in this whole message right then. Because some of y'all been waiting on no cataracts, no glaucoma, no diabetes. You've been wanting to eat Little Debbie cakes with no reserve. Come on, preacher. You don't have to worry about insulin. You don't have to worry about back pain. You don't have to worry about herniated discs, spine infusion, brain stenosis. You don't have to worry about joint pains and aches. You don't have to worry about loss of hearing, loss of vision, because with your corruptible puts on incorruptible, and your mortal puts on immortality. Oh, you ain't gonna you're gonna see better than you've ever seen before. You're gonna run like you've never ran before. You're gonna leap like you've never leaped before. Listen, I'm just gonna be blunt with you. You came to a Pentecostal church for uh, for graduation. If you expect heaven to be quiet, I'm sorry, you're going to a different heaven because the Bible tells me that the angels of heaven says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Listen, if you like to be quiet and reserved, you better hope to God he puts you on the 144,000 square mile on the other side of heaven because I'm telling you if I get through the gate when I get past Peter and I say good seeing you Pete how's it been I'm telling you I'm going to have myself a time and when I see Jesus all hell is going to know I've made it I've made it I've made it but he's reassuring because he said I fell dead at his feet and he laid his hand upon me and he said don't be afraid. I know my presence is terrifying you, John, but don't be afraid. I'm right here. I'm that friend that sticks closer than a brother. The Bible tells us Jesus said this to his disciples. As Carol, as you make your way, it means nothing, but they think something's happening. <clears throat> I'm just kidding. Slightly. So, Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, listen. He said, How do you say he's a reassuring Christ? Jesus said this. He said, listen. He said, I know you want me to stay with you. I love you. But it is imperative that I go away so that I can send the paraclete or the helpmate, the comforter. Because when I send him, he'll be able to do things in you greater than I've been able to accomplish on this earth. But I'm not going away just because I have nothing better to do with my life. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Because if you believe in God and believe also in my Father's house or many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you, for I'm going, the reason I'm leaving is I'm going to prepare a place for you so that where I am, that's got to be the most reassuring thing I've said all night, wherever he is there, I will be also. 
Thomas said, Lord, how are we going to figure out how to get there? What's the road map? What's the GPS coordinates? And Jesus said, Thomas, you don't need Tom Tom. You don't need Garmin. You don't need Google Maps. You don't need Waze. God's already made a Waze where there seemed to be no Waze. I am the way and the truth and the life. Any man that cometh unto the Father must come by me. You say, what are you telling me, preacher? I'm telling you today that wherever you are, Jesus can make a way where there seems to be no way. He can cut pathways in the desert, and he can make ways. He can turn rivers out of wastelands. I'm telling you, we serve a God that while he's up there making sure that heaven's codes and zones pass, building inspections, the Holy Spirit of God's down here making sure we're making plans to go up there one day. But here's the problem. That sounds great, preacher. It does. It sounds wonderful. It's a beautiful story. It sounds like something I'd want to go to. It sounds amazing. But, but pastor, didn't John have to sit 60 years waiting for this vision? He saw Jesus leave, and 60 years later, in, a, in isolation and abandonment, God showed up. How long do I have to wait? How long do I have to deal with this thorn in my flesh how long well I can't tell you how long but I can tell you you won't take it alone I can't tell you how long you'll walk the road you're on but I'm telling you you don't have to walk the road alone the Bible says take my yoke upon you for my yoke is easy and my burden is like cast your cares upon the Lord for he already cares for you he's just waiting for transfer of power See, all those things I described in Jesus Christ is beautiful. Here's where I have to be the preacher today and not be your friend anymore. God called people in this room that are ministers of the gospel to preach the gospel. He did not call us to be your friend. He called us to throw you a life preserver and to make sure you didn't drown in this life. He didn't call for you to like me or to get more social media likes for you to become friends on me or to put me on TikTok as an internet sensation. That's not what he called me to do. Whether I have a million followers or I have one follower, the only thing I need to be following is I'm going to decide to follow Jesus. That's all I should be following. There is a heaven. But there is a hill. All those things I described about the reassuring, the, the revenging, the, the righteous, the reigning Christ, the resurrected Christ, that's all true. And whether or not you spend eternity with him or not won't change the truth of the matter of who he is. But what can change is whether or not you spend it with him or you spend it away from him. Oh, he still will be the resurrected. He still will be the reigning. He still will be the righteous. But will you spend it with him? Or will you spend it separate from him? Will you hear the words, well done? Will you hear the words, depart from me? I don't know you. Now, I know most people would probably say, well, Pastor, we're in a church this size, and we come to CLM graduation. It's about changed lives. Everybody in this room's life has changed. You must be smoking more drugs than you've ever smoked in your life if you think that's the truth. Some of the biggest, best sinners in town is the ones that go to church. That's good preaching if you are Pentecostal. 
Because church people have mastered the art of hiding the sin so the world don't know they're living in sin. At least good sinners at least don't care if you know they sin. Church people sin and try to keep it from everybody finding out. You don't think church people drink, you got another thing coming. You don't think church people cuss, you got another thing coming. I've seen people worship God on Sunday morning and cuss out their boss on Monday. And I thought, you should have stayed in the altar about 10 more minutes. You didn't get it all out. They didn't go to my church, so it wasn't my responsibility. The Bible said all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. I'm going to tell you right now, the man that you saw over the last few minutes stand behind this podium, he's not perfect. This worship team that helps me every week, they're some of the best in the business, but they ain't perfect. My wife, she's about the closest thing to perfect, but she ain't got it perfect yet. She's close. Sometimes when I don't hear the voice of God, I listen to the voice of my wife because it's about the closest thing to God's voice I've heard in a while. And it has saved me a lot too, like the Lord. They're not perfect. If you were truly honest with yourself in this house, neither are you. Now, you might tonight have everything under the blood and be okay. I'm not stupid. There may be some in this house you don't have it under the blood. And you're here supporting your friends, supporting the ministry, or maybe you're in the ministry uh, of CLM or another ministry. And, 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 and nobody else knows it, but you and God ain't on good terms right now. I hate to bust the theological bubble here, but there's going to be a lot of senior pastors that's going to wake up one day and the rapture's going to come, but the senior pastors stayed behind because they've traded the cares and lies, the cares and the lies and the pomp and circumstance of man's approval for the things of God instead. They traded it. But I'm going to tell you right now, you don't have to leave this place questioning where you're going when you leave this place. We've heard how God changed lives and testimonies. We sang about how God makes a way. There seems to be no way. I've quoted you more scriptures than I could possibly count today throughout the word of God so that you knew it was his word, not mine. Now comes the point that I've done all I can do. This worship team's done all they've done can do. And Jesus technically has done all he can do until you decide what you're going to do. Can he save me? Yes, he can, but he can't save you if you don't want it. It's like the man who was out there, the boat had capsized, and the man was out there floundering around in the water. The man, there was a man that had a life preserver on a nearby raft, and he threw the life preserver out, and he slung it out to him. He said, hold on to that. The man that was in the other boat and the man that was drowning in the water had been enemies for years. His words were, I would rather die than you save me. As he fell beneath the abyss of the water and drowned. The life preserver was there the entire time to rescue him. But his pride kept him from grabbing onto it. The reality of it is there's a lot of people. Jesus has already thrown out the life preserver. He's died. You can't be too prideful to admit you need him. And you better grab the preserver. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask one question and one question only. I just want to know today before I send you to eat food, 
is there just maybe one, maybe not 99, but one person in this house that's not 100% sure that if Jesus should come today, you're going with him. You're kind of on the fence. You, you're not a bad person, but you're kind of on the fence. And if Jesus showed up, you might not make it. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's judging you. Only God can see your hand. And I wonder today if someone would be honest enough with God and with this pastor and say, Preacher, I'm not 100%. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'm not 100% sure I'm ready to go. I want to make sure that when my time comes, I go to heaven too. Will you slip up your hand? You can say, Pastor, I'm not sure. Is there anybody? I see that hand, my brother. I see my hand, my brother. God bless you. Are there any others? Yes, I see that hand. My sister, my brother. God bless you. Are there any others? God bless you. Yes. Five, six, seven. Thank you. God bless you. Eight. God bless you. See that hand in the back. God bless you. Nine. I see that hand. God bless you. Ten. Eleven. God bless you. Twelve. God bless you. Thirteen. God bless you. Fourteen. God bless you. My math is correct. Fourteen people have raised their hands that they want to make sure they're okay with Jesus. Now, church, this is where we become the church. We're not going to let them give their heart to Jesus Christ alone. We're not going to line them up here and make a spectacle of them so that all of us can go, oh, I wonder what sin they did. Because if I was a betting man, all of us could sometimes use a good old Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior kind of prayer. So I'm going to ask you to stand all over this house. I'm going to ask you to grab the hand of the person beside you. You don't want to grab their hand, grab their shoulder. Now 14 people put their hands up, but 122 people are going to all get saved again right now. So, 128. So six of y'all were about to go to hell. I'm going to save y'all too. Sorry, 128. I'm going to make sure you make it too. For the 14 people that did raise your hands, you listen to this preacher. Tomorrow morning is going to be a hard day for you because the devil's going to tell you that you're still a piece of junk. You're worthless. You're a rag doll. You know, it, Jesus, why would Jesus want to save some wretched person like you? That's what you're going to hear tomorrow. Maybe tonight. But you tell that enemy that, of your soul, that accuser of the brother, you tell him, you're under new management and you've decided to give him an eviction notice and it's time for him to pack his bags because you got a new tenant moving in tonight. He's got to get out the house. Put your head bowed and eyes closed. Let's pray this together. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you were buried in the tomb. I believe you resurrected out of the tomb. I believe you're at the right hand of the Father praying for me daily. I'm sorry. I admit I'm wrong. And I need your help. Please forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Forever I belong to you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Bible says that when one sinner comes to know Jesus Christ, the angels of heaven rejoice. Church, we better not let angels out shout us for 14 people that gave their heart to Jesus Christ today.
Now to my 14 brothers and sisters that raised your hand, if you don't go to church, you get to a good Bible-believing, faith-based church. You get attached to some good pastor. There's plenty of them. There's Pastor Mickey's here. Pastor Chris is here. Pastor Kale's here. Pastor Tommy's here. There's maybe others I just didn't see in the crowd. There's plenty of pastors that you can connect with and get a hold to. You get in church. You get with the family of God, and you stay close to God, and he'll stay close to you. And the two of you, you and God, will get through this thing if you just stay close to God. You hear me? You stay true to him. Don't you let him, don't let that enemy tell you otherwise. To all our graduates, congratulations to you. Don't let the cares of this life put you back on a bad road, but you keep going on with Jesus. There's too many times I've seen people walk through these stages of graduation, but then leave these, and six months down the road, we're worried about where they are again. Don't you let that be your story. There's a new name written down in glory. Yes, it's mine. He's the author of my story. You let him write the book, and you just be the main player in the book. With every head bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to pray a prayer of benediction. Immediately following this prayer, Brother Randy Erchberger, one of our council members, is going to pray our prayer of faith. After that, if you'll file out the doors to my right, to your left, you can either go outside or you can go right here by the piano on there and get in line and let those, we've got plenty of food, we want you to stay and we want you to eat. I'm not taking it home, so somebody else is, so you better stay. So make sure you stay and eat. But let me pray for you today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and lift up his countenance towards you and give you the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding. May the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord, our strength and blessed Redeemer. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as you remain in the spirit of prayer, Brother Randy, would you close us out in prayer tonight? Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise your holy name for your presence, Lord. We thank you.